Hey, I'm Dr. Timothy Chen. And I'm Melissa Wood. And welcome to Common Sense Medicine. It's a podcast that is made to make complicated medical problems common so that we can all learn and hopefully be healthier. Yes. And remember, this is a podcast for information purposes only. It's not medical advice. So if you need anything additional, speak to your provider. And with that, let's start our next episode. Let's do it. Okay. Hey, Melissa. Hey. Wesley. Hey, Tim. Yes. Dr. Chen. (laughs) (laughs) Special guest today. Thanks for coming on on the Common Sense Medicine Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about today. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, Melissa, always together. Yes. Still here. Uh, Still here. (laughs) But happy to be here. That's right. You want to be here, (laughs) Melissa, as much as we uh, hang out together. Uh, Well, Wesley, uh, tell us, you know, today we're going over a podcast that I think is probably due. You know, we try to keep things as happy and lucky, go lucky and kind of learning uh, for our patients and people that listen to our podcast. But sometimes we got to get a little serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so today we'll be talking about essentially the devastation of diabetes, right? Specifically uncontrolled diabetes. Um, diabetes is a plague to um, our community. It's a plague to the United States. It's only, uh, it's a growing epidemic that is essentially going across every single developed uh, country. And I think the frustrating thing is it is probably the most preventable thing that we can deal with. So today we decided to bring you on. So Wesley, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I am um, from Jackson, Mississippi. I'm a third year medical student. So I've just recently gone from my book studies where I was studying about things like diabetes just in the textbook and versus now seeing it in the hospital and seeing uh, all the downstream effects because in the hospital we had the sickest people um and it was quite eye-opening and i think we'll get to talk more more about that later but i'm a third year medical student yeah yeah, yeah it's different moving from books to clinical mm-hmm. it's like there's book medicine <laughs> and then there's like real life That's for sure and so yeah it's eye-opening so yeah it'll be interesting to hear yeah yeah i just yeah, I just remember like, you know, doing those vignettes, you know, those questions and you're like, what medicine will you prescribe? And you're like, of course, I know the right answer. And then when you come to real life, you're like, this is the right answer. The patient's like, I'm not taking it. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm allergic or I'm, yeah, I've tried that before. It didn't work. Yeah, yeah. So cool, cool. Well, you know, to kind of give an overview, I mean, right now in the United States, diabetes is a leading cause of um, blindness, which is insane, you know kidney disease requiring dialysis, so essentially kidney failure, and then foot amputations, bypassing like car accidents and stuff like that, which again, these are very wild statistics. Diabetes is one of the biggest costs to our healthcare system. We're talking billions and hundreds of billions of dollars every single year spent on medications, on treatments, on downstream effects from diabetes. Um, And again, to reemphasize, one of the most preventable things that we can deal with, um, but so let's start here, Wesley. Tell us maybe your experience, right? Because you've done the surgery rotation, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us about that. Sure. Well, I was excited to get started on something in the hospital um, and saw a lot of really cool things, you know, a lot of um, surgeries that do. Just, oh, this is a little closer to you. Sure. A lot of surgeries that do um, have a lot of great effect on people. Um, Say someone came in with a hernia and their bowels were were trapped in the hernia or in, incarcerated, as we would say. Um, you do a surgery, you can uh, help them from having their bowels die, mm-hmm. um, and you can really fix that problem. 
Um, but one thing that was also really striking is in our general surgery rotation, we did a lot of amputations for people who had diabetes. Um, and I think one thing why that was striking was that, you know, the prior surgery I just talked about, the, the hernia repair, that is restoring function. Um, whereas an amputation is something intrinsically removing a limb that you had, you know, and it's important because, you know, those, uh, those limbs because of diabetes, uh, they get ischemic and then they get necrotic and, um, can be infected. So you need to remove the limb to prevent further damage to the limb. Um, but it was just really eye opening to see a functional surgery versus something that was just to prevent further spread of disease. Um, and invariably all the amputations were diabetic patients who had, you know, for one reason or the other had poor control. Um, and then they had all the downstream effects from, uh, from, um, diabetes from the ulcerations on their feet, the neuropathy, not being able to feel anything. And then eventually the, the gangrene and led to amputation. It was, it was pretty eye opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, trigger warning. Yeah, well, yeah, I was trying to say that. Yeah, I mean, so, so Wes, I mean, I think I remember you talking to me. I mean, this is like one of the first things you saw, like day two, right? So I mm-hmm. guess walk us through, maybe you were on that day. What did you, how did this happen? Like they paged you guys downstairs? Like what did you experience? So my rotation specifically was acute care surgery, um, which is everything not non-trauma, but anything that's still urgent. And um, they didn't page us. It was a scheduled surgery, but it, it, you know, it just come to the point that this person needed a, um, an AKA an above knee amputation. And so we went in there and, you know, I, the hernia was the first thing I saw, but the second thing I saw was this <laughs> massive amputation uh-huh. and it was just, it was, it was bloody. It was gory. I mean, and you know, as a, as someone who's interested in surgery, that, that thing didn't bother me so much as the fact that we were just removing a big chunk of this person's leg and mobility, you know. And you think about, you know, those of us, um, you, you don't think about mobility until you don't have it, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you don't realize how much you just value being able to get around without um, needing other people's help. Um, and that person's life will be forever changed, not to mention the painful healing process of uh, with phantom limb pain and then the nerves, some of the nerve endings growing back and maybe needing to go back for another surgery to revise that amputation. We saw a lot of revi- revisions of amputations. Um, and it was, it was definitely, Hey, you're not in a first or second year anymore. You're in the hospital and you really see the ramifications of, Oh, you know, diabetes, poor glucose control, whatever. And now you see like, this person doesn't have a leg anymore. This person mm-hmm. doesn't have their toes, their their foot. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. And after kind of learning about that for years, and I'm sure that was kind of eye-opening just to kind of see in reality what people go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was just just imagining, like like you said, you read about it, you, you see it, but you're actually seeing it happening. What about, um, I guess, so the next day after you guys have to round, right? You have to see them. Mm-hmm. How was the patient doing the next day? Well, this particular patient was pretty cheerful, you know, and so whenever we saw him, for, for a person who had just had their leg removed, they were doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, other patients that I had seen, um, you know, they, they're just a lot of complaints about their, the, the phantom limb pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just difficult to, difficult to see. Um, 
And then, you know, in clinic, we'd see patients who needed a lot of help and assistance to, to get to the clinic. Um, and I think that's another thing, too. You know, it's kind of when you're studying it in the book, um, you don't really see those those devastating mm-hmm. effects. You read about them. You read about the, you know, the retinal neuropathy that can happen or the um, diabetic nephropathy that can happen or all these, um, you know, the downstream effects on your legs but um when you see it in the hospital it's very striking and i think patients probably think that way too you know when you're seeing your number your a1c go up but it doesn't really mean anything to you until things start changing in your body you know you might need to be on dialysis for the rest of your life mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is also a very you know big part and it can be debilitating to some people yeah and you don't you never think you know, that you're going to be losing your leg, but I don't, I don't think any of these patients are expecting to lose your leg from diabetes, but it just happens. Yeah. Melissa. So, well, and I guess, so to turn to you, you used to work in the unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you did burn unit, mm-hmm. which is Trauma. obviously, oh my goodness. Trauma burn. Trauma. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I guess, did you also see a lot of people on dialysis, I guess? Um, um yeah. In those cases, it was more, a, you know, due to a traumatic mm-hmm. event or something. But, um, but yeah, just in caring for chronically ill patients in other settings even. And mm-hmm. um, when I did hospitalist, I was, you know, more just about any floor. So mm-hmm. there was a mm-hmm. lot of chronic disease there. And you're right. I think for patients, a lot of times they don't really comprehend the end outcome when Mm -hmm. they're seeing an a1c of 10 or you know as it increases they're just kind of like well i'm still gonna you know eat whatever i want Mm -hmm. you know and um don't really have to exercise or don't feel like it um and some people have the attitude of well you know i've got to die somehow and you know Mm -hmm. i want to live my life how i want to live it right now Mm -hmm. um but what maybe some people don't take into account is the prolonged, mm-hmm. you know, lack of quality of life that can occur. So if someone's uncontrolled enough to, say, need an amputation, mm-hmm. that amputation may not heal well, like you said, and need a revision because their sugars probably still aren't all that great. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, one thing leads to another, to another, plus all the other complications we just talked about that could be potential. Um, cause yeah, losing a leg is not the only thing that can happen. You know, right. you're at higher risk for cardiovascular disease. So heart attack, stroke, mm-hmm. there's so many debilitating conditions that can go right along with uncontrolled diabetes. And I don't think that people realize that just letting your sugar run high right. could in, end up with those things. Yeah. 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 I think the, the thing that I hear most is like you said, Melissa, people say, well, I'm going to die one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. Uh, and I think the problem is I don't think they realize there's things worse than death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like Wesley was saying earlier, I mean, losing your leg, it's one of those things like it's hard to wrap around, but like, oh, I wake up in the middle of the night, I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, I can't. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, oh, my kids want me to get on the floor and play with, or grandkids want to, and I can't. You know, I want to go up the stadium steps to to a football game or to graduation, and now I'm so limited. 
and like you said, if you're at the level of amputation, and we're talking dialysis, which is five, you know, three hours a day, three times a week, well, you can't go into like, how can you go to Europe? For you know, or how or, can you even hold go, a job? Yeah. You know, if you yeah, yeah, there's so many things that you're limited from. Exactly, and exactly, and I think you know, obviously, we're talking about the patient's own experience right now because I mean, the quality of life instantly changes drastically. But we, I mean, we need. I guess we'll bring this up. Family, you know, taking care. Your family taking care of you when you're, if you had a stroke because your diabetes is uncontrolled, your high blood pressure is uncontrolled, now you can't move. I mean, that can be pretty devastating for the family too, mm-hmm. which I know, Melissa, you've had some experience with how this affects people's families and things like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When a family member becomes disabled mm-hmm. from a, you know, a life changing event, whether that's a amputation or a stroke or a heart attack, um, everybody around you is affected by that as well. So it's not only what you have to deal with, it's the caregivers that you'll require. Or if you don't have caregivers, you know, even hiring them is nearly impossible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to find help and, you know, just preserving your health so that you can, you know, be fully functioning for mm-hmm. as long as you can is important, not only for yourself, but those around you too. Yeah, for sure. Which did y'all notice anything, Wesley, since you've done surgery, how family members and things like that in the room, maybe the questions they're asking, maybe the, maybe just watching them interact with their family member now that something traumatic like that has happened. You know, being on the rotation itself, we didn't have a ton of time in the patient rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you did see a lot of variation. Some patients were by themselves and others um, had a lot of family members, uh, some even sleeping on the floors of their rooms. Um, so my my main takeaway with that was more so on the side of re- recognizing that having a support system is pretty important mm-hmm. um, and that not that all... Uh, that not all patients are blessed or fortunate enough to have that. Um, but, it, you know, judging from what, like I said, the, those patients or the patient's family sleeping on the floors, that's a that's an undertaking for the family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they're in some kind of, um, and like I mentioned in the clinic, you'd had to have either caretakers or family members to take time out of their day to help you get to the clinic if you had an amputation or something else similarly large. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, they're, they're very much involved in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I guess you're going to be doing primary care <laughs> next. So, mm-hmm. I mean, now you'll be stepping into kind of our wheelhouse. So, um, you know, the reason we started this clinic, me and Melissa, um, try, decided to, you know, leave what we were doing before to get to this spot is because, Again, we're trying to figure out how we can prevent this stuff from happening. Um, and I think that's probably the most frustrating thing. It's not anything complicated. And I tell people we are the most boring clinic uh, because we don't do like cold plunges and IV infusions or hormone shots. Uh, what we do is we know if we fix your nutrition, uh, we keep you active, um, we don't smoke, limit alcohol, um, and essentially control your sleep, we probably eliminate 90% of all diabetes and diabetes-related complications. And so you're talking about huge uh, quality of life um, for the patient. And I think that's the motivation that we have when we come here. And of course, 
you know, like we said earlier with the textbook, it's like the answer is right metformin, except the patient in front of you doesn't want to take it because <laughs> uh, they saw that lemon juice and apple cider vinegar is the key. <laughs> is the, the key. Answer. <laughs> the key. Um, so I guess, Melissa, going back, like uh, how do we help people see what we're seeing maybe? I mean, I think just sharing our stories, you know, which is what we're doing here, you mm-hmm. know, definitely um, – I think the more awareness people have, the more that they can, you know, take initiative for their, for themselves and for their own health. Um, so I think just, you know, allowing people to understand, you know, what could happen and what is in your power to prevent. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, most of these things can be prevented or at least the complications can be prevented in a lot of cases. So, you know, just having a realistic expectation of how how your numbers need to be controlled, what mm-hmm. you need to do to get the best outcomes. I think it starts with education. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe, um, like you said, and we talked earlier, like when patients come in and they or they prick their finger, they sh- see a sugar, they see an A1C on the screen. Um, so step one, I would say it would take, it would be like, okay, I, I know you're seeing numbers, but what I'm seeing is blindness risk. You know, I know you're seeing my A1C is a little higher this week. What I'm seeing is increasing chances of you having to lose a limb, you having to be on dialysis all the time. We didn't even bring up fatty liver and uh, cirrhosis and needing your fluid drawn off every two weeks, carrying 30 pounds of fluid on you, um, being on medication that's trying to prevent you from essentially becoming crazy from the ammonia uh but that really messes up your gut like we're not even bringing up stuff like that um but i i guess the key is like when people see numbers we're seeing like quality of life changes yeah and i think just kind of on top of that you know just realizing that diabetes affects excuse me every system in the body you know mm-hmm. it, I, you know having a high blood sugar it's like okay well and yeah you talk about blindness a lot maybe amputations things like that but i mean really you're at heart, higher risk of all kinds of cardiovascular conditions mm-hmm. heart attack stroke blindness um, fatty liver it's like every single system in the body can be affected and i think that's what some people maybe don't realize is that it's not just an isolated condition. It's one that just branches out in all directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which I guess, you know, coming back to um, maybe the second piece, and maybe you've seen some of this too, like, and I, I guess we saw it today, you know, patients, and I guess it's to them, we don't, you're not here to impress us. Right. So we'll have patients come in. And I think today we did a coaching, it was did a coaching session and we'll talk about that. It's like the comment, I don't eat anything. I don't eat all those things. They're like, yeah, my kids will eat all those tater tots, but I don't eat any of those tater tots. And of course they've gained like 20 pounds their A1Cs jumped two points. You know, like you don't have to be worried that if you tell us the truth that we're going to like I don't know, hit you with a stick. You know, like, um, we care about you as a person. And so when we're honest and we can, we see that we have an illness, we have a problem, we can fix it. But if we're, it's hard to have a good coaching session when the, they're not giving you all the answers that's actually happening, which I guess how was your first coaching session today, Wesley? I think you summarized it pretty well. Uh, it's, it's human nature to want to impress people or not disappoint people. And, 
Um, if your interaction with a hospital or with a doctor is not very often, then it's easier to not tell the truth, even if you don't know that you're doing that. You know, mm-hmm. it might be just subconscious too. Um, but just want to echo Dr. Chen. I think, um, well, especially at this clinic, I think it's, it's a very safe place for you to be honest. And it really benefits only you to be honest about it, you know, in a, in a health information sense, it's all private anyways. No one's going to be sharing that with anybody. But, right. um, but in a, towards your health sense, it's only beneficial to you to be completely honest. Um, and that, you know, people may not be familiar with doing that because lifestyle medicine clinics are not um, super common. You know, mm-hmm. they're used to sharing uh, maybe the, the full truth about certain health conditions, but your dietary habits, you know, that that's not something that someone has asked every day. And they may not be even aware um, mm-hmm. of those extra things that they're eating throughout the day, um, which is why I think it's really cool what you are doing here at this clinic. I think it's um, very awesome that you uh, get to spend more time with the patients um, but not only that, I, I think the repetition is really good. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of repetition, but you know, I noticed everyone here on the wellness clinic, it was not just, um, the provider who came in to see them, but also after that came in a nutritionist and dietitian, you know, and then kind of emphasize the same points, but from a different angle and maybe from a different perspective. And that was, I think that is helpful for the patients to, to see, mm-hmm. um, and that might be another part of the puzzle and getting beating down diabetes in our mm-hmm. community yeah so uh, essentially we touch base with things like number one like you know first of all we have a problem right like just admitting realizing that this thing is devastating uh number two realizing that being honest with us telling us what's happening uh that helps us figure out a best plan to improve the quality of life so forget the A1, I mean, A1C support, but like forget using, like looking at it that way and focus on like, this is how I'll interact with my children, my grandchildren. This is how me and my spouse can go. I know it's like Europe, but Atlanta, Birmingham, <laughs> you know, go somewhere even close, you know, shoot, Columbus or wherever. Um, that is all affected about by what we do now. And I think maybe the third piece, and Melissa, we can wrap it up with this, like, it is up to the patient to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and it's for it's for each individual patient. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you said, we're you know you don't have to try to impress us or you know anything like that. Being honest um, is a good place to start. If you're having trouble making choices, or if maybe you don't understand how your choices affect your condition, mm-hmm. we need to know that so yeah. we can get you the right education and the right guidance. And so I think if people yeah, can just be open and, and we can help out, that's what we all go into medicine for. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're here to help you, guide you through that journey, but a lot of it is up to you. We can kind of give you the information and the tools, but it is, I mean, we can't go home with you. <laughs> right, that's um, right. So it, it really is up to you in the long run. Yeah. I feel like I sound like Smokey the Bear, you know, only you come from it. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Uh, but it's true. Like, I think in our clinic, we try to be as empowering as we can, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people who listen to our podcast, I've heard this, this saying that genetics, while it's important, plays a very, very small role in the grand scheme of things. Uh, there was a trend for a while pushing that there's nothing you can do, it's your genetics. 
which essentially means that there's nothing you can do. You got to take this pill. And we reject that. I mean, yes, there's medication. There's a need for that. But there's a lot you can do to improve that. But like I said, you do have to put some effort in. In our clinic, we've seen that the people who are really engaged with coaching, they're not trying to run away (laughs) away from the coaching, uh, that are engaged with us, that ask questions, that do you know their part in their exercise and eating, they get these numbers better. They can come off medication. You know, they can, you know, they feel better. Their energy is better. Their mental fog is better. So it's not just the A1C got better. Their joints feel better. They're, they're sleeping better. You know, their mood is better because of all the other things that are happening. So that's kind of what we're looking for. And again, this stuff is, is free. You don't have to mm-hmm. go to a health clinic and pay thousands of dollars for these obscure tests that don't tell you anything to get thousand dollar injections that don't do anything when we can just rather take that money and focus on your food and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, closing thoughts, Wesley, any closing thoughts that you have? I I like um, what y'all are doing. Again, I'll emphasize that, but kind of what you just said um, on this matter of the patient autonomy and patient agency. I think it's really important, especially in this matter of health, because at the end of the day, it really is up to the patient, up to you to make the choices that will be good for your health. Um, and life gets busy. It's It's yeah. tough to do that when... You have a job, a spouse, add on some kids, add on this kids' school and all that. I, it's understandable that these things are hard to follow. Um, but I think, you know, con- taking a moment maybe to consider where, what you want to be, where you want to be in 10 years and how you want to be in 10 years um, may help set some of those goals. I mean, again, we as humans are just historically bad at setting goals for the future. But mm-hmm. um, if, if you can find something that works for you personally, that that sets that and gets you there that will do wonders for not just your health but your mental health and your um, happiness with your family and everything like that man that's perfect (laughs) (laughs) that tied it up in a bow that's right (laughs) yeah well okay melissa any final thoughts (laughs) no i think that covered it yeah Yeah. well perfect well wesley again thanks for popping on the show uh giving us your insight because i think you know me and melissa we've been doing it for a while sometimes even we because we haven't had to be in the hospital for a while. We mm-hmm. kind of forget how devastating it can be. And then with you having essentially fresh eyes to see like, oh mm-hmm. my goodness, this is what's happening, yeah. really kind of lights a fire to be like, hey, guys, we can stop this thing, but we've got to try. Like we've got to do something. We've got to be, you know, we've got to work together. Um, so again, thanks. We'll have you on again next time. Sure. Thank you all for having me. Yeah, yep. thanks. That was fun. <laughs>